Real Nerds listeners, here's an exciting interview from our time spent at Starfest 2013. Enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, Starfest 2013. I am Ryan. This is James. Brad is manning the computer and sound waves, and we are sitting with... Uh, Ivan Pavlitich, or also known as Ivan. I'm a local filmmaker here in Colorado, and I've been uh, doing this for quite some time now, back and forth between Europe and U.S. Very cool. So what are? Wh- how did you get your start in film? You said you've been a filmmaker for 20 years. Well, it, it all started as a kid, you know. I, uh, when back in for- I'm from Croatia originally. Back in former Yugoslavia, you know, uh, before the independence war, in 1990s, a lot of uh, Hollywood productions were being made in territory of Yugoslavia. So, yeah. especially around my hometown of Karlovac. So, you know, back in the 80s, I remember uh, seeing Telus Savalas, you know, these guys shooting uh, Dirty Dozen uh, 2, Dirty Dozen 3, a lot of uh, Winds of War with Robert Mitchum, you know. And I was a kid of that, like 11, 12, 13 years old. So, you know, I started hanging around. My first experience was watching Jackie Chan in Zagreb, Croatia. I believe it was either 1983 or 1984, so I was about nine years old. And I remember uh, 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 Jackie Chan doing his own stunts, and I just fell in love with it. And I, I told myself, this is what I want to do. This is so cool. I mean, the guy could literally repeat his own stunt over and over and over again. And, you know, then I got a hold of my first video camera in 1985, the old VHS video camera. And, uh, and at 11 years old, I just started making films then, you know, and I, it was either a little, uh, an extra or a stunt, you know, I got into stunts later, commercials, this and that, and it was just something that I fell in love with from the get-go, you know, and as a painter and an artist, with, as my other profession that I draw and paint, I, I, I see everything vision uh, through vision, you know, I'm a very visualistic about everything, so even when I act, I act visualistic. I, I, I perceive the, the, you know, the four corners of a, of a screen, and I can see how it's projected. So, so to me, it's, it's a very important thing, you know. That's cool. So do you remember your first film from way back then when you were 11 years old by any chance? Um, I was an extra in Winds of War, which was shot in 1988. Uh, it was a CBS or an NBC TV production. It was pretty big. I mean, it whole major stars like yeah, Robert Mitchum. I don't know. Wow. I think even Lawrence Olivier was still alive at wow. the time. So wow. I mean, it, it, it was shot all over, but a lot of it was shot around my hometown. I remember that was my first experience of being as a kid, as an extra in my hometown, you know. And then I did a lot of stuff like that. And then the war started, and I was in the war in Croatia and all that. So there was about five years of a time period that I didn't really get to do much. But as soon as the war ended, I came to the United States, went to the United States Navy. And after the U.S. Navy, I sort of got into modeling. I got picked up by John Casablancas first and then uh, started working with John Casablancas and John Robert Powers. And through them, I got back to, like, uh, stunt work. So by the uh, later 90s, I was back working as a stuntman, and I got a... Gig uh, on 20th Century uh, Fox production in Titus Andronicus uh, in in Croatia that was being shot with Anthony Hopkins. That was in 90, 98 or 99, winter of 99. And, you know, that was sort of a, a hitting back, you know, breaking the ice back into the whole production. Then we worked another uh, German TV production 
Croatian soap operas, you know, Le Femme Musketeer, uh, and etc. and so forth. And then I felt that, uh, uh, you know, as, as a visionary, I, I needed to go back to writing, directing. That That's really my bliss here. And, you know, and then I got married and... Uh, you know, my son was born, and uh, then I got unfortunately divorced, and and <laughs> and I went back to school uh, to study writing, directing at Colorado Film School and then Regis University, and uh, because there was a movie, uh, I, I always since the war in Croatia, I always had this uh, sense of time period, like father time. People, there are people who are uh, really obsessed with mother nature. I'm obsessed with father time, huh. and I wanted to make a movie about the. Uh, epochs, you know, like like uh, uh, an ages, uh, um, and one thing was the last age of uh, Roman Empire, the end of uh, antiquity, the beginning of dark ages, you know. So I started writing this pretty much monumental script that turned into a motion picture called 476 A.D., which is about uh, which is about the very end of the fall uh, of the Roman Empire and the beginning of the dark ages. So. And this has been now in the works for the last three years. We started our principal photography in July of 2010. And uh, we pretty much finished all the acting uh, scripted uh, sequences until uh, August of 2011. So ever since August of 2011, it's pretty much been in post-production. So now going on almost two years in post-production. So three years of production. It has been a, a, a monumental film on a l l very low budget, and you know we shot sequences all over Colorado, from Elbert, Colorado, to uh, you know downtown Civic Center, Denver, uh, uh, Rome, Italy, in Croatia. I shot a sequence with a famous Croatian actor Igor Gallo, who was also in Winds of War in the eighties, <laughs> and he was also in Sam Peckinpah's productions back in the seventies and so forth. So, you know, it's, it, it's building up. We, we've got over 100, 100 actors in this movie, you know, over uh, 50 actors with some lines, you know, on IMDb already. Wow. It, it's, 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 it's getting to be monumental. And at the same time, there's a bunch of other productions. Uh, uh, we just premiered, actually, today, we just premiered uh, a trailer, official trailer to another film that I directed called Sane in 1974 which I also acted in as well. It's about uh, Vietnam vets coming back to the United States in 1970s. And it, it deals with the time period right before Nixon uh, uh, left office in 74 due to Watergate and Vietnam and a lot of corruption. So it, it deals with the time period of 1962 to 74. And, um, you know, I have big hopes for that one too, you know. Cool. Did your experiences with the war in Croatia shape you as a filmmaker and draw you to certain projects or is it just something that you had to experience in I, I, I believe so I, I think I think there's definitely there um, uh, there is definitely an experience through that war that, that gave me some depth on on experiencing and uh, just experiencing life perceiving life as it is uh, you know when I act and I direct as I said, you know, I see everything visualistically. It's not enough for me to, uh, you know, I've done some theater as well. But it's not enough for me to just project my voice. I need to envision the whole circumstance. And when it comes to that circumstance, it's, it's, I need to see and, and feel within me 
what's being projected on the screen. So it's it's the whole experience. Is it act? Did be that may be acting or or directing? I experience the process while doing it. So it's 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 just an experience, uh, which is sort of a how to explain this. It's it's beyond it's beyond just doing a job. Yeah. It's 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 projecting your inner self onto a screen through an atmosphere and ambience if that sort of makes sense yeah absolutely that's wow that story just Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to follow that story up yeah uh, so th after the war you came and then you decided you were also gonna enlist in the united states army as well, well? Th the story goes the war wasn't completely over in croatia this is in 1994 uh, my father lived in the united states from before and i was actually in the united states back in the 80s so i actually knew english and uh, in 1994, I managed to get to a green card. Now, back in 1994, if you had permanent residency, you could join the U.S. military. At the time, Clinton was sending the Sixth Fleet into the Adriatic, and I wanted to be on that Sixth Fleet. So the first thing uh, uh, in early 2004, I went to, uh, I think it was Colfax in Monaco in Denver, a recruiting center for Navy, and just signed up for Navy. A month later, I was in Great Lakes, Illinois. And that was sort of an experience. It was a little bit of a surreal experience going from the craziness of war into more of a organized military outside of war. Uh, unfortunately, because I was sort of in a, in a different time, in, in a different state of mind. I just came from a war. I, I didn't really take command and orders well. I, had my, I remember I had my 20th birthday in, uh, in the Navy. But I left the Navy. Uh, I didn't do the whole two years. I left after, I don't know, uh, half a year, seven months or something like that. And uh, I went back to Croatia. War ended. I uh, was in Croatia doing all kinds of stuff. I, was, I remember I was doing some stuff with films. Uh, I was selling uh, uh, CDs, uh, burning. Uh, they, they just started burning CDs at the time, 1996. I remember doing that. Uh, working for DJs, doing all kinds of stuff, and I just came back to the United States and uh, uh, started with uh, modeling, and it sort of brought me back into the motion picture business. So is it writing, directing, acting, or modeling, one way or the other, I broke the ice, came back into what I always wanted to be. You know? So you mentioned Jackie Chan as an influence for you yeah. to be a stuntman. Yeah. What was your influence for you to be a director? Was it you know, we're here at, uh, uh, you know, Starfest, uh, pretty much George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. I mean, yeah. uh, George Lucas with Star Wars, with pretty much uh, Empire Strikes Back. I think that was the first one I saw. I, I think that was, that was before Jackie Chan. I think I was eight years old, seven or eight years old in 1982 in a movie theater. It was packed like there's no tomorrow. Back in the early 80s, in former Yugoslavia, you could smoke in a movie theater. Remember that? <laughs> It was this movie theater, uh, uh, and people were smoking. It was packed, and I remember that first vision of space and that powerful music of John Williams. Uh, it just gave, gave me goosebumps. I remember I would. There were symphonies playing in my little head, days and days after that. That I just wanted that experience. I couldn't get that experience of space out of my head. And uh, I was just uh, obsessed, literally, with Star Wars. I mean, uh, then you have Indiana Jones, then you have St uh, Steven Spielberg. I mean, the, the power of music, the power of adventure, the power of expression through film that these guys did for my generation. You know, I was 
I made a movie about 74 and I was born in 1974. This generation, especially 1974 generation, yeah. I think we literally uh, uh, regenerate with Lucas, you know, and I, you know, I have to say that George Lucas probably made my world as a filmmaker. Oh, you know? I guess it's, uh, uh, do you relate to him because he's is a visual filmmaker? I believe so. He's a visionary. He envisions and he has something in the head and he makes sure that it comes. Uh, you know, not to go into the last three films that he did and, you know, there's a lot of controversy that he sold out in the later 90s and so forth. But the fact that in 1977 he brought us something that nobody could even comprehend. Yeah. The Star Wars saga, the franchise, the idea, the, 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 the experience, the ride of Star Wars. It was something that before, prior to 1977, I mean, you had Kubrick's 2001, which was the first revolutionary breakthrough yeah. with science fiction. But Star Wars in 77 just brought something new to our generation that uh, I believe that so many filmmakers you know who are in their late 30s now I believe they they became inspired by this revolution you know absolutely I, I think you're 100% right because I mean uh, I'm a little younger but to me seeing Star Wars and you know Indiana Jones and things like that inspired my love for films yeah. and you took it to the next level making yeah, it's, films it's, it's just it's it's beyond it's beyond how would i i mean okay i'm just making beyond there's another movie i'm working on called tesla beyond imagination it's uh about a life of nikola tesla that is in uh, pre-production right now i uh, i've written 125 pages a lot of it is in croatian some is in english it starts with my area of my hometown in croatia where nikola tesla was from you know, and the time period that he was in Europe, and then New York City, and then Colorado, Colorado Springs, where he was, yeah. and Woo. you know, uh, pretty much, uh, 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 I would say a quarter of that script is pretty much about uh, uh, Philadelphia experiment. You know, uh, the uh, the last years of his life that he was experimenting with dynamic gravity. You know, the theory of uh, dynamic gravity and and pretty much teleportation, bending light, and and actual time travel, you know, I mean, how much of it can be proven or not? You know, I'm not a physicist, I can't say that for <laughs> sure, but I, as a filmmaker and a, and a visionary, I can say that with, uh, you know, after his death in 1943, and then, you know, going back to Star Wars and stuff like this, uh, you know, The Force, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I mean, this is all interconnected. Uh, Philadelphia Experiment, there was a ship at USS Eldridge that vanished in space-time continuum and reappeared 200 miles in a different place in Virginia, 10 minutes in the future. This is a fact, you know. United States Navy and the government hasn't really officially recognized it for the last 70 years, but it's something that had happened. And I just believe that Nikola Tesla is eons beyond anybody else. Hence the name Beyond Imagination. The emphasis is Tesla on beyond imagination. It's beyond anything that we can comprehend. You know, that the fact that, that uh, uh, you know, going now back to uh, Kubrick in 2001 when, uh, uh, when the, uh, the cavemen, the, the monkeys see the, the uh, obelisk. Yeah. You know, the, uh, they, they sort of see God. Yeah. There's an element there Then it's, it's an inex inexplicable element that represents regeneration. You know, it represents uh, evolution, something new, something we can't really fathom, something that we can't really comprehend. And it's, 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 it's that element of, uh, I truly believe that with uh, uh, dynamic, uh, the, the theory of dynamic gravity or dynamic theory of gravity, uh, uh, Tesla between 1938 and 1943, 
touched God. I think he touched something there that nobody else, no human being before him that in recorded history did. And I think ever since then, it is the story about Tesla has sort of been shunned. Yeah. You know, we know about Einstein, we know about uh, Edison. Edison, who pretty much stole his stuff, you know, but we don't really know enough about Tesla. And, and, and one comes to a question, why is it that for 70 years, like Houdini said, you know, misdirection, you know, look at over there while real stuff is happening here. And I believe that's the case with Tesla. I think there was something really, really important happening, you know, after 1943 that we need to, and we're yet to discover. Wow. When you, you've made films for both European and American audiences, do you have to change your filmmaking sensibilities for each audience? Is each audience different, or can you blend them in? It is. It, uh, the audiences are different, but the way I look at it is, uh, you know, and I, going back to George Lucas, you know, the way he did Star Wars, it's so universal for so many different cultures, for so different, uh, many different age ranges, demographics. It, 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 it can be perceived and accepted by everybody, hence the universe, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I believe that in filmmaking, you know, I think there's too much emphasis on demographics, uh, too much emphasis of ethnic groups, too much emphasis on age ranges. Uh, yes, of course, that is important, but I think films need to be made as what they are and just given to the audiences because you don't know that an 80-year-old man and a 7-year-old kid will not perceive the same movie in no way. Oh, yeah. You know, I have a son who is 6 years old and my son uh, adores Star Wars, for instance. And he sees it in a certain way. I look, at, I, I watch my son. I watch my son's eyes when he watches Star Wars, and I remember myself. You know that little brain of his, just as a sponge, accepting so much information. You know, I think I think information as as a whole is very crucial because I think to give out the information to the public, you just gotta give it out like a painting. When I paint, you know, you make a painting, and you give it out. And look, somebody will see it one way, somebody will see it the other way. Somebody might hate it, somebody might love it, but everybody will perceive it in a different way. Same goes with film. You will have hundred different people, thousand different people watching a movie, and every one of those thousand people will have a different take on it. Yeah. The story, yeah, is the basic story, but we all perceive it differently. We all perceive music differently. You know, there's certain things that we see, and I think, I think when you do something for the people, you just sort of got to do it for the people and throw it out and just hope that everybody finds their own piece of the puzzle, you know? Ah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, the, way, the way I look at it, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of films being made, and I think there's lack of passion. There's something, uh, I believe that there's a lack of a passion going on. Uh, people are not perceiving, uh, uh, they're, they're too much limited by the financial aspect of it, which I understand is a necessary element. Uh, you need money to make a movie. But I think it's a 50-50 thing. You know, movies shouldn't be made 100 or 99% because of money. They should be made 50% of money and 50% of the artistic value. Yeah. So it's an artistic uh, expression. What George Lucas managed to do back in 1977, people seem to not do this anymore. Because Hollywood has come, to, you know, what we discussed a little bit earlier, uh, Hollywood has come to its limit. There was, it, it, it doesn't know what to do anymore because it became too much about money. And it forgot 
that there is an element of an expression. Going back to, uh, uh, you know, pioneers like uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin, you know, who were really not into it because of the money. They were really into it because of the inspiration, because of that passion to put something on the screen. You know, I think Charlie Chaplin was one of the biggest pioneers uh, uh, who gave light. I mean, Charlie Chaplin gave light to the celluloid it, to project our interests. Hundred years later, almost hundred years later, since Charlie Chaplin started making films, we watch him today and we still love it because yeah. there's that element of we 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 believe it. It's not just okay. Here are pictures on the screen. You pay the ticket. It 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 projects you to a different world. It it takes you somewhere else. It like when I watch Empire Strikes Back first. I did Star Wars was my second movie that I watched. It it took me to a different place. As a child who was seven eight years old, it just it it. Uh, gave me a journey that that fulfilled my life, and and I think I think that that's something that movies originally always had, and they need to bring back. I think that's really what it comes down to, you know. And uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, as a, let's say as a painter, uh, you know, you, you go and you buy a you go uh, you buy a canvas for thirty bucks, twenty bucks. Uh, you buy oil paints for. 50 bucks to 100 bucks, right? Real good oil paints. You buy really good brushes for about another 50 bucks. You're spending practically less than 200 bucks on, on all the equipment that you need as a painter. I know as, when I paint. And you make your painting for less than 200 bucks. Everything is there. Why can't we make a movie? I know movies cost a little bit more. Okay, cameras cost more, lights cost more. But they don't cost $200 million. They might cost $10,000, but you don't need $200 million. Why can't you make a quality movie for a couple of hundred thousand dollars and have everything that you need in that movie? Why does it have to cost $200 million? And we have so many talented filmmakers in Colorado, for instance, who never go anywhere because they're afraid of that limitation, the financial block that doesn't let the, the fire get out of the hearts, you know? Yeah. So how do you keep the financial block stopping you from making your movies? Uh, that's a question for a lifetime. Uh, all <laughs> kinds of ways. You know, you just uh, you make a movie for three years. You know, you 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 make a movie. You spend as much as money on certain things. Then you wait six months to make some more money. Then you, <laughs> you continue and so forth. I mean, uh, David Lynch did uh, was working as a razorhead without any money for I believe what six seven years. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, you shoot one weekend, then for two months you don't shoot, or a couple of weeks you don't shoot, then you shoot another sequence, then you go to Europe and you shoot another sequence, then six months later you do something else. And eventually, after a couple of years, you have yourself a feature. You know, it's just one of those things. you got to work it. Very cool. So, Ivan, where can we find you online, watch your films? Well, Tell you know, us about you and how we can experience okay. your art. You know, I mean, practically you can... Literally, starting from Google my name, Ivan Pavletic. You know, I-V-A-N-P is in Peter, A-V is in Victor, L-E-T-I-C, Pavletic. You Google the name and it comes out. There's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. If you, you know, put 476 AD, you'll find trailers. Uh, on Facebook, there is a, 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 a fan group page, 476 AD group. Um, I don't know how, how many thousand uh, Followers. I mean, there's a, just a huge following. Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Uh, there's uh, 476 AD, the movie slash, uh, uh, no, 
476ad/themovie.com site. Um, it's all over. I mean, you practically just gotta go online, type in <laughs> Google 476ad, and stuff will come out. There's been plenty of already international publications, newspapers, you know, magazines in U.S., uh, Colorado, uh, Denver, uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, Croatia, all over. Uh, internet magazines and so forth about it. So I mean, there, there's plenty of following, you know, and there's definitely a fan base. But my number one thing is, uh, uh, you know, not to compare myself with George Lucas because George Lucas made a huge amount of money. <laughs> but yes, to compare myself to George Lucas, I want to talk to the people. I want to make a difference. George Lucas made a difference. I want to make that difference. Will it ever be as big as George Lucas? I don't know. If it ever gets to the point where George Lucas was in 1977, I'll be the happiest man alive. <laughs> Not because of a lot of money I will make, but because I will give dreams to kids, to dreamers. I will show the dreamers, yes, it is possible. You just have to have a little more gumption. You just have to have the gumption to actually make it work, but it is possible. The worst thing for a dreamer is to do nothing at all. A dreamer who fails is still way stronger than the one who doesn't achieve, who never attempts. You know, so it's it's one of those things. You know, that's awesome. I can't think of a better way to seriously end this interview. Yeah. That yeah. was well, yeah. absolutely <laughs> eloquent and amazing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Man. So thank you so much for hey, sitting in on you. us, and I can't wait to check out your film. And uh, we really appreciate it. Colorado and Croatia in the house. Yeah, you hey, sir are you a Renaissance hey, man. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much, Ivan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this interview from Starfest 2013. The Real Nerds will see you next year. Thank you so much for listening to Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also stream us on Stitcher Radio. Email us, realnerds at gmail.com. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us, at real underscore nerds. Call us, 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook. This has been an Endless Visions production. Until next week, bye.